Audio Transmission. Welcome to Audio Transmission, a new series of interviews with key players in the dance music landscape, brought to you by Data Transmission. We sat down with Numbers Records owner Jack Master for our first audio transmission. Jack is the ultimate DJ's DJ, truly dedicated to the art. His clear love of DJing sees him on an endless quest to hunt down those records that no one else seems to have. 2016 has seen Jack's meteoric climb continue, securing another residency in Ibiza for Circo Loco, as well as releasing his first DJ Kicks compilation. The DJ Kick series is truly recognised as one of the top in the game, asking DJs and producers to dig deep to curate a compilation that has a steady finger on the pulse of electronic music. Over the past 20 years, it's earned a reputation as an essential barometer for what's happening right now in the world of dance music. Being asked to do their compilation is testament to the journey that Jack has embarked on as a young teenager and a symbol of how far he has come up until now. From humble beginnings at a record store in Glasgow, then moving on to working at the renowned sub club, he's built reputation on finding the best tracks around today. Data Transmission meets up with Jack at the beautiful rooftop bar at the Ushuaia Tower at this year's IMS conference in Ibiza to discuss how he set about putting the compilation together. Hi Jack, I'd like to kick off this discussion um, by discussing your gift and ability to find records that none others can find. Yeah. Um, I think I just wanted to just kind of discuss how you, your process of that going around that and how, you know, you, do you still buy records? Do you, is it all sent stuff? Is it, um, and just take, you know, how you go about tracking down music? Yeah, well, I kind of do have that reputation, but I do, on the other side, also have the reputation of playing big 80s pop records and stuff, you know, because uh, I like to kind of switch it up. But um, I kind of, around the days of DJing Forward, um, I kind of fell in with all, most of the people in the industry who were making the best, the best stuff, you know, like your Hessel guys. Um, all the Night Slugs crew and all that and I, I would get sent everything up front and I would get sent it even before other DJs were sent it like yeah. they'd send stuff out to maybe me and Ben UFO and a few other guys would get kind of a bit of preferential treatment because we were on the radio and stuff and I think they, yeah one man as well I think they knew that we really had the, an ability um, and the platform to really break music to really break certain tunes um, nowadays I mean I've got a kind of Again, a core crew of people who always answer their promo emails and, and download their stuff. But you probably get sent a lot of promos, and 90% of it, even more, is just crap. I mean, you can tell usually by the opening line of a yeah. of a of a like a of, of like the blurb and the in the promo email that oh, this is not for me. So I am checking promos less and less. Probably also because of the fact that I know once this big promo mail's gone out, everyone has the track. Yeah. Um, and when I used to work at Rubberdub, you know, promos would come in, white label, test pressings, so that you could order what we call a pre-sale. You'd listen to the track, you'd guess how many it sells, and you'd send your order on yeah. to the distributor. Um, so I'd have everything first, 
and I, my finger has never been as much on the musical pulse as it was when I worked in the distribution company and in the record shop because you knew every single record that was coming out every week and nowadays there's so much coming out that it's impossible to keep track of that. Do you have a sorting process of kind of what you, like, is it a filtered in email? Is it kind of, this is good, this is um, delete straight away? <clears throat> yeah, um, pretty much. I delete it all, though, pretty much. Um, unless it's a producer, yeah, I really trust. Um, but going back just to the archives for a second, I, I, troll, I troll YouTube a lot. Yep. I used to take a whole day. And Discogs, you know, you've got Discogs and then you've got a little video on the right and you can listen to the tracks now mostly. And then uh, from there, I'll go into YouTube and it'll have all on the right hand side like suggested um, stuff. Yeah. Which is kind of lazy, but it really works. And you can go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper there. And then eventually you'll find this amazing track that's got like 1,000 views or 500 views and you know no, nobody cares about that. Yeah. And you jump on the Discogs and it's five pounds, and like all the best records are that price. And that's your pretty kind of like, you, you, it's literally a case of deeper, 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 yeah. along roads of, yeah. you and might start with a label that, it could be that with one. That's yeah, and then you it. just go through the whole back catalogue yeah. or whatever, and um, all the records on Discogs are, are like, that are rare, that are like 40 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds, 150 pounds, are that price because people know about them, and they know they're rare, so, people are playing them so yeah. I just buy the ones that are two pounds and then, okay. the, sh and then the shipping's like 12 euros that kind of transposes into your, that, when you get to a show I've noticed you're still setting behind the DJ still still building a USB yeah I mean I mean, as, it, as, it, as the night is progressing I, I mean you can, you can always be prepared before the show but then you can never be prepared for what the DJ's playing before you or what um, what style or energy or vibe of a track is going down particularly well with that crowd so then I'll do a little bit of tinkering to my crate um, and uh, that's usually why I'm like on on the laptop like up until five minutes before I play. I think last time you saw me I was like sitting on the floor on the stage in yeah. Lost Village getting ready because what I expected it was going to be like it was nothing like that. Um, so now are we obviously here to talk about your DJ Kicks compilation? Yes. Uh, I just want to kind of talk about that, your process of putting that mix together. I mean, how did it? How long does it take? Yeah, I mean, I mean, see, when I do the master mixes and stuff, and the take all of, I won't lie to you, they're they're planned for like a month, and I'll, I'll every mix I do, I record three, four times, yeah. listen to it in the plane, instantly go on a downer because I found a bit that I don't like, and I just can't ever let anything go out if it's one beat out or the filter's not I've not EQ'd in it, a mix right or anything I just like scrap it and start again um, so it usually takes a long time and then I'll go in and add more tracks and take stuff out if certain bridges aren't working and the DJ kicks thing <clears throat> I was in the queue to do one and then I got a call when I was on Holy Ship in the Caribbean which is like no internet yeah. no phones um, and it was my manager and he said someone's chopped out and um, we can shoehorn you in and your mix will be out for the summer which is a great time to have it out and yeah so I had two months to make the mix and I had like a week to send in the track list which is almost impossible uh -huh. so I had to just go off, off kind of from memory and kind of from, from record the record box program and just note down hundreds and hundreds of tracks and just say you need to try all these because there's no way I can practice the mix on this boat um, so it was really tight but we, I, I, I'm really really happy with the mix like it's super 
they're super honest. In a way, I think it's kind of going to set the record straight because I think there's probably a lot of people out there. Some people still think I'm a fucking dubstep DJ, which I never ever was. I love dubstep, but I've never ever done a full dubstep set. You see me DJ, I've never played more than. I never play like one genre. Yeah, cool. Um, a lot of people think I'm this party guy, just plays Fleetwood Mac. Um, but like, it's not really the case. Like, I'm, 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 I'm like, when it comes to early dance music and Chicago, Detroit, New York, I'm, I'm, I'm a digger, man. And um, I've, I've got so many records in my collection that I don't hear anyone else play. Um, so in that case, in that way, it's honest. It's kind of like a reflection of how I DJ'd. <clears throat> when I was first cutting my teeth, when I was like 16, 17, and I'd, I, I used to be obsessed with electro, but like good electro, like Kraftwerk, yeah. Drexia, Underground Resistance, electro funk, all that stuff, and like Two Lone Swordsman and the yeah. UK stuff, a lot of warp, thing, the warp stuff. And um, after that, I got, I got really into house and techno, and it's like from that era that the, the DJ kicks comes from. Um, so you obviously you then took that those hundred tracks and took it down to. I think if, I think of it twenty five and yeah and to eighty minutes we ordered eighty minute CDs. Did you, you just kind of you took that you got that like hundred tracks was it kind of like right this is my starting point. Yeah, well you get kind of this is my middle point and I want to go. I got my I got I got my intro and I got my outro and then there's a few super special tracks that I knew had to be in there. And then it was just like joining the dots kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it moves from like ambient stuff through to some house, like some quite analog housey stuff. And then you go into Chicago and Dance Mania. Um, there's an old Ricardo Villalobos track on there. There's old Robert Hood, like a weird Robert Hood track that was never ever repressed because he's repressing all stuff now. Yeah. Um, and some wee cheeky surprises.
brought to you by data transmission. Yes. So I've got two exclusives off my boy Dennis Salter, who works in Rubberdub, where I used to, that's where I grew up. Um, I've got one from Elefino, which is really cool, it's kind of tribally thing. Um, I've got something from the Hunt Lane Palmer's label, which is like another Glasgow label run by one of my best friends. And I've got something from Tesla, who for me is like in the top top five producers in the world right now, not let alone UK, like you say, everything he sent me is incredible. So I'm pretty happy. Great. Um, I was going to talk about Dennis actually, because obviously you, with him and like Jasper, you kind of, you're, I guess, it's been, I suppose you've been helping them along and kind of mm-hmm. helping them and going in the right direction. And do you see that now as your, you know, as like in a, a kind of football youth academy style, where you're, you're yep. helping these young, young guys push a little bit, yeah. I mean, it's just always been my thing. Like, even when it's nothing to do with music, I, all, I always help my pals out. And like, I could see Jasper needed some guidance, and if he was going to get to the place he wanted to be, he really needed somebody to take him under his, his wing. Um, and I, I do that with, a, I try to do that with a lot of kids. Like, that's part of the reason I did the Scottish tour in November, so I could take um, very little-known DJs in Glasgow who were good out on tour and give them a kind of taste of it and like get, give them a kind of foothold. Something I really enjoy because you get so much satisfaction from seeing your, your best mates like starting to move up in the scene and stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, Dennis is the new hot boy in the street, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's super talented and he does have a good energy. Um, and I hope he's listened to this. He just needs to be a bit more gracious when he's doing back-to-backs because he gets drunk and he's like, no, 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 I'm playing again, I'm playing more. And I thought I was the worst in the world for this, for just deck-hogging, but this guy takes it to new levels. But I think he's got the, I think he's got the message now. I was going to talk about that. Um, I didn't talk about back-to-backs because obviously you've done a kind of, you've done a few high-profile ones recently. It's kind of... I love playing back-to-back. I probably prefer playing back-to-back than I do on my own. That's obviously the one I saw in Miami with you and Black Madonna was... Yeah, it, it was great, it? it was great until I I reloaded her brand new record because I thought it was so good and you know they don't have that culture and she was just like what the fuck are you doing I was like um, it was great if it's nice play it twice yeah. so um, yeah I mean I, I really like doing back to back and within reason I'll try anything once I, 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 with with regards to that and if they if they don't, if it doesn't work, I won't do it again. If it if it does work, I'll be straight on to my agent the next day saying let's book more shows for this. Yeah, the Armand one was obviously. A oh man, that was a dream come true, and it couldn't have gone better. And we're doing it again at Park Life, and then we're going to do some shows in America, I think. Yeah, and then recently you've done one with Laurent Garnier. Yep, that was a surprise to me. Uh, he just phoned up and was like, oh, "I'm programming a date in Reese Norris. You want to do back to back?" I was like, "I'll clear the schedule." Do you, do you feel you learn from those kind of back-to-back, or do you...? Uh, yeah, it's, all, it's always about learning. I, I can, I, I learn things from DJs who I think are bullshit. I'll, I'll purposely sometimes go and see them, just to... I mean, you don't just learn from people being good, you can learn from people being shit, because what they're doing wrong, and, and sometimes you go to see someone crap and he surprises you, you know? Yeah. Um, um, but did I learn from Garney more of an inspiration of how far he's got, like, after his gig? Um, he couldn't leave the venue because people just wouldn't leave and they would barricade them in just like and they were all just shouting no 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 even got a round of applause when he walked in restaurant big restaurant big classic French restaurant he got a round of applause and I was kind of like I'll have some of that eventually when I'm 50
And then like, I guess from you, it's, you, you do pack your shows in, you kind of, touring is a big thing and it's, do you feel that you, do you feel that it's kind of, keeps you current and keeps you, obviously you don't produce at the moment, it's, do you feel that's your balance off by playing more gigs and being, mm. keeping your profile higher? Man, I just really, I, I just really love DJing, man. Really, I mean, there are there have been a couple of times recently when I have been done maybe seven shows in a row. Some of them will be double ups, or like in two, that's two gigs in one day, or whatever. And then some of them you have to, I'll be playing like till 8 a.m. in Berlin, and I have to, I'll have to leave straight from the the club to the airport. And it's at those times you're like, oh man, this is heavy. But then if I take time off. And I go to a club, I just want to be DJing. It's like watching some guy play records, I'm like, I can do this better than you. I was kind of, I'm just kind of addicted to, to DJing. Yeah, I've seen that. Obviously, when we saw you in a Jesus. Just the whole thing of it, I just love that. We've seen you in Jesus, and it's, you, you kind of were there just powering through. Or... Yeah, well, like, I think Seth and Ollie had had enough, and then me and Eats just played till we got chucked out. And we just ended up coming on the dance floor and dancing to, to our own records. Um. Let's talk about, I guess, some bit of Ibiza. Obviously, you've done a big residency this year for Soto. Yeah. Um, Second year. And obviously, you live here for the summer. What's uh, what's the best part of being on the island for the summer? What's the most important part of being on the island for the summer? Hands down, the best part of Ibiza is DC10. That place is incredible. Like, right from the first time I went, I was like, I need to play here. I came to Ibiza. Four years ago, I actually kind of um, I gooseberried along on uh, Joy Orbison and his girlfriend's romantic uh, holiday to Formentera. I don't know how I ended up doing that. I slept on the sofa. I don't think he got any nookie for like the whole for the whole week. And he was like, I really want to go and see this guy Dixon at um, DC10. And we walked in and we were really well looked after. And it was just I, I couldn't believe the atmosphere in there. And I was just like, I need to play here. And they were like. It's really hard to get the gig here, it's very difficult, you need to be part of the family. But within like a year or two years I was in. I did my first gig at the closing three years ago. And uh, I, 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 like, I did, I'll admit I had a pretty good set. And so like the next week they asked to book me for the, the next season and then I turned in a resident. Which is a dream come true.
transmission. Um, finally, I guess this. I mean, are you, are you how? Are you still involved in numbers? Are you still? I mean, what's the? I'm involved. I mean, I get a kind of say on everything, but it's a lot harder. Um, is involved when I'm away so much. I mean, I definitely get um, not the last say, but I, I have a, a, an input on anything, anything that comes out on the label, like anything that's released. I don't say most of the stuff. Le- I find mo- less stuff now, but certainly in the beginning, it was me and Callum that found all, all the music, um, and then Callum, that Spencer, he is a borderline genius, really clever guy, and he kind of then he's like really good at A&R and marketing. So he will then take the raw music and figure out a plan for it and how to push it out and stuff. So I'm less involved in the day-to-day stuff, but that's kind of one thing that I'm really looking to rectify over the next coming years. I mean, obviously when I'm out in IP farm, I can't do anything. It's so crazy here. And you mentioned before you were building a studio, is that kind of next plan? Um, well, we just, finally, after 12 years, we got an office for numbers and there's like a we covered under the stairs, so we're just going to get it insulated, take a few machines in, buy a desk. <coughs> I mean, um, we're really happy with the mix downs we get sent on tunes, or also Callum's really good in the studio, so he can always find ways to make it better. So a lot of it will be used to like fine-tune other people's music, to, to fine-tune other people's music. Um, but then, yeah, we'll work on a few projects, and see, to be honest, I'll probably release them and not tell anyone it's me. Different guys, yeah, and then when they find out, and all those people that all already hate me when they find out and they've been, they've been digging the tunes over it, that's me sticking my, mango, my middle finger up. <laughs> okay, cool. I think it's kind of, yeah, it does. Yeah, I was enjoying that. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. It's good to get some work done finally. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah instead of just meeting you backstage, yeah, sharing drinks.